Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Everybody wants somebody else's attention because everybody wants somebody to love. If that isn't more than apparent, thanks to the wonders of social media, then I think it's time for a wake-up call. We seek attention day in and day out. Pay attention to my blog, to my podcast, watch my video, read my post, status update, story, tweet. Pay attention to my clothes, look at my hair, fresh extensions, new weave. Look at me put my makeup on, look at me lift these weights, squat this set, run this mile, watch me while I eat my food sit by this pool, and watch the rain. We all want to be seen and heard. We want attention. So to start, let's stop acting like trying to get attention is something awful, because it's not. We seek attention because we desire connection. We are wired for it. We want it, you've got it to give, and I want you to give it to me. Some of us say that the things we do are for God to see. So we put ourselves out there to show God how great we are, that we are doing good. Why do we think that God needs others to see us doing things for God to see it as good? Have you ever thought about it that way? It's something I wrestle with. The tension that strains my thoughts hangs between knowing that God sees me and God approves, accepts, and loves everything that I do, and believing that I must share what I know of God with others. And I justify all of this on account of all that I know and understand from the Bible. The Bible tells me that I am called not just to be good, but to be great. Perhaps I'm not the only one that interprets it that way. The wrestling of this knowledge requires a high strength to balance this weight. So, we teeter-totter between seeking out the attention of God and other. The thing of it is, whether we are seeking that attention from God or other, it's all the same. It is to me anyway. God is other. God is the ultimate other. And given that we're all made in the image of God, I would submit that seeking the attention of any audience is really the same as seeking the attention of God. The apparent reason for this is just because it's no fun existing in life without someone else in it. Who am I without you to show me that I am not you? Sure, we all want a little isolation from time to time, and sometimes we need it, undoubtedly. And in this era, it's more obvious than ever of how terribly awful we feel and how we behave when we're isolated and confined and told that connection could be dangerous. Solitude is good for us, and sometimes we need it, but communion is truly where we find exhilaration for the experience of life. We act like battery chargers for one another. Unfortunately, the way we give and receive attention has become problematic. Instead of acting like a power source to charge one another, Our attention soon becomes an energy drain, and we rob people of power, and we diminish their spark simply because they don't agree with us. We don't give one another proper mutual recognition. We don't love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We love them as much as we can stand them, yet we want their undivided attention and expect them to tolerate us, accept us, and listen to us. I think what this shows is that humans are probably better at receiving than giving which is funny when you think about it, 
because Christianity esteems this idea of cheerfully giving without reciprocity. I I guess that's another tension for us to wrestle with at another time. Nonetheless, the point is if we all want attention because it means something to us. We seek it out primarily because attention tells us that we are loved. Attention is the answer to the greater question of life. You know that question, does anybody love me? It's by way of giving and receiving attention that we qualify our beingness with love. To be is to be loved, beloved. Foolishly, however, we expend attention in ways that are anything but demonstrations of love. How can we remedy this erroneous way of giving and requesting attention? Maybe we can start with fully recognizing and receiving the God-given undivided attention that we do have. But how? We answer the question that we ask of the void. Does anybody love me? Yes. Yes is the answer. You are loved. You are God's beloved. You are, and you are, and they are, and he is, and she is, and they are. Know that, hold that, and believe that. From there, we can come to the terms with a more concrete understanding of true attention, as opposed to the underdeveloped ways in which we give and receive it now. True attention sees all things the way God sees all things, as good. True attention overrides the ego. There is no selfish gain when we give true attention. It is distinctly other-oriented. True attention is a limitless space of safety and acceptance in which the energy of another penetrates the depths of our soul. It's not something we practice in every moment. It requires intention, patience, and open-mindedness. Third, let's acknowledge that the attention that we seek as well as the attention that we receive is that of God's. And the reason we all seek attention is the very same reason God sought attention. Attention is connection and connection is love. God desired other to love. And so here we are. And we return that love to God by returning to other, by giving attention to the other. That's how we give our attention to God. If we give true attention to another, we can develop a more delicate way to not only ask for God's attention, but we can graciously receive God's attention. For me, The practice began with teaching myself how to be more willing to accept my children's incessant demands for all of the attention, all of the time. I began to ask myself why God needed my attention so damn much. Do I need to look at every scribble they draw? Do I need to see every handstand backflip and new video game advancement? From there, I learned how to appreciate the interruptions with grace. Even if I was 5,000 words into my manuscript and so ready to lay down another 3,000 more. But if God wants my attention through my children, I've told myself to give it. I believe that if I'm willing to open myself up to the attention demands of social media, then I must be ready to give and receive attention in the same way I would give and receive it of God or my children. Now, on the days when I'm using my opposable thumbs for apparently what was intended of me, scrolling my social media... I have to remember that every post, every tweet, every at mention is just another way that humanity is seeking the attention of God. When I choose to give another attention, I must ask myself who I am giving that attention to. Is it a stranger behind the screen or is it God? And if it's always God, then how would I give attention to God? What would I say to God if I had God's attention? And this is the question I'm stuck on. What might be at the root of this controversy in my community And what might be a catalyst to why it seems like people don't know how to communicate? Because we are not seeing God. We're just seeing enemy. My friend Kyle Butler, whom I've had on the show, he wrote an interesting post on his social media a few weeks back that I kind of appreciated. And it said something to the effect of the greatest disservice we ever did to ourselves was to be convinced that our neighbor was our enemy. In the Bible, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, and then, you know, someone gets all snarky and needs clarification on who the neighbor is, and Jesus tells us who the neighbor is, and the neighbor is the one that is in in need. And when we are seeking attention, it's because we're trying to fulfill a need. We're trying to fulfill a need to feel safe, to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel like we matter, to feel like somebody sees me and somebody loves me. That's who the neighbor is. And that's why we're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves because we have those same needs. We have these shared needs. We all have a need of attention. And seeking attention isn't a bad thing. It's what we do. It's how we satiate our needs. 
It's how we self-actualize. It's how we transcend the bitterness of reality. And in order to meet our needs, we depend on other people. That's why tribes are important. That's why family is important. That's why being with someone else means so much, how, why it adds so much to our own experience. But we don't know how to seek attention in a productive and developed way because really no one teaches us how to seek attention in a loving and compassionate way. Social media teaches us to seek attention in a reactive insta way. And often, attention is a slow dance. It's a seduction. It is a lovemaking process. And you don't ever want to rush that. And so in all of these getting to know your neighbor's segments, attention is the focus, is the concern, but is the lacking need that someone is, is yearning to fulfill. All we really need is to find a different way to seek attention. I think that's what I'm coming to conclude. And as I wrap up the remaining interviews that I have coming up next with the sign owner, David Hoffman of Olivia, Minnesota, we will be seeing more of this attention-seeking playing out. Now, I'm not saying attention-seeking is bad. I just want to keep clarifying that. Seeking attention is what we do. It's healthy. It's how we, how we love people. But sometimes we don't seek attention lovingly. And I will be the first to admit that I don't always go about seeking attention the right way either, or a healthy way, or a productive way, or a loving way, or a Christ-like way. Sometimes I seek attention by picking fights, by arguing with someone. And in the past, I've been known to insult someone just to get their attention. I know that's not a mature way to do it. I know that there is a more compassionate way to seek attention, just like I know there is a more compassionate way to get a message across, to stand firm in a position. We can still do it compassionately. We can still be impeccable with our word. And we can do it to serve the widest audience possible in that we are effective with our articulation and not offensive. And a lot of this way that we seek attention and how attention has been sought hinges on whether or not it was done productively or profanely. And so as we continue to embark on these conversations, as we continue to consider the perspective of another human being, Let's just reflect on, are there more loving and compassionate ways to seek attention? Is there a more loving and compassionate way to stand my position, to stand my ground, to stand up for what I believe in, to fight for justice, to fight for my freedoms without it becoming an obstacle or an offensive action to another person? Today's episode includes city council member Tom Kalahar. And as you'll see, he has an exciting story in history and politics. He has an appreciation for government and for individual action within government leadership. And he has an appreciation and passion for preserving and conserving nature. Listeners, as always, I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of Tom Kalahar. Enjoy the episode. How long have you been involved in the government? What's your story? What inspired you to get involved with the government? Well, I grew up on a farm where I, I have eight sisters. Wow. Uh, one brother uh, who is deceased. Um, but anyway, we grew up on a 160 acres farm. Um, and I had a lot of uncles, a lot of aunts, a lot of aunts big family, you know. And uh, was raised in Ottertail County. Uh, with um, There's 1,049 fishing lakes in Ottertail County, lots of woods. My family was heavily into wildlife hunting, fishing, and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so I've always had an interest in conservation and those kind of things. Um, and so after I graduated high school, um, I needed to join the military just simply because I couldn't afford to go to college with 10 kids at home, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's no way my family, uh, my parents on a family farm were going to be able to afford that. So I joined the Navy, I was in the Navy, and when I was in the Navy, my wife was in college. And when I got out of the Navy, she was out of college, and so then I went to school. 
uh, and um, I got a degree in wildlife management, natural resources. And in 1979, I moved to Olivia um, after working on my dad's farm. I took over my dad's farm for a few years and decided, nah, farming isn't something I want to do. Um, and so then I um, accepted a job here in Olivia at the conservation office here, the Soil and Water Conservation District. And I retired from that six years ago. Hmm. So I worked there for about 35 years, worked in close contact with uh, all of the other federal and state agencies. Had a very successful career in wildlife management, uh, wetland restoration, prairie restoration. Um, I was also the feedlot inspector for Renville County. A lot of different jobs and responsibilities, which uh, was pretty interesting. And that's what kept me in the field. And of course, there was my uh, one of my big concerns is water quality. And um, there was um, just a lot of work to do here with improving water quality. Did you have any experiences from your own life where you didn't have access to to quality water or was there anything personal that kind of hit you that inspired you to want to kind of well, work towards this and protect it? What 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 inspired me and encouraged me to get in the conservation field was watching as I grew up and as I got older, watching the demise of natural resources mm -hmm. being overtaken by either farming practices or urban sprawl and watching the degradation of water, yeah. uh, lakes, rivers, and streams. In the time that I've been here, the Minnesota River itself has continues to be degraded horribly. Still to this day, it's, it's a uh, major issue and it's one of uh, my ongoing major issues to try to uh, improve that situation. So do you, do you like work, do you ever like go and have conversations with farmers? I don't know if you noticed this a few weeks ago, all the, or it was probably a month or so ago, one of our first biggest storms was kind of covered with dirt. Mm -hmm. And we kind of giggled, me and my husband looking mm -hmm. out, because I'm like, and look at all your, all your dirt's still there, because he does a no-till mm -hmm. farming operation now. And mm -hmm. um, I wonder, do you ever have conversations with we, farmers about well, that? Kind of go meet with them directly? And We had conversations for years. I mean, yeah. this is no new thing. But, you know, when I moved here in 1979, that was ongoing. And it's a simple uh, result of leaving fields unprotected. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you just got black soil out there and you get the right uh, conditions with freezing and thawing, it turns that top layer into dust, yeah. and then you get a 60-mile-an-hour wind like we had that day, and poof. You know, and it's easily remedied by a simple conservation practice of putting a cover crop yep. on your field. Sometimes the easiest and the simplest things are the hardest things to get people to do. And it breaks into their habit of what they've always been doing. And yeah. so to kind of oh, yeah. bring in something different worries them because that seems like a risk. Try to get people to break out of a cultural mode that they've been in for a hundred years yeah and then it's the peer pressure of you know this is the way it's always been done and yeah. this is the way it's going to be done and if somebody does something different everybody's looking at you mm -hmm. and so you don't want everybody looking at you and so you're going to do what everybody else does and uh, yeah you know and it's a it's an issue that we shouldn't have but it's an issue that we still have yeah and it looks to me like we're going to have in for quite a while yet uh, yeah. Yep. They look at my husband funny because he implemented no-till and he also does cover crop now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even with his, he works with his dad and his brother on the same like farm mm -hmm. and they're like, why are you doing this? This mm -hmm. is crazy. Mm -hmm. And then after that happened, he's like, do you see why I put cover mm -hmm. crop out there? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why. And uh -huh. I thought it's so simple. It's yeah. so simple to well, protect the dirt. Well, and the government will actually pay you to do it. Yeah. And still people won't. Yeah, there's lots of programs out there available for farmers yeah. to help them with that. So anyway, that's what I'm all about. Uh, yeah. And then I've always had an interest in government. I always have. I've worked with the government my whole life, and so I'm real familiar with how local government works, how state government works, how federal government works. I've done a lot of lobbying statewide. I've done a fair amount of lobbying at the federal level. And um, if you don't, if you're not involved in government, you're not going to change things because that's yeah. how things get changed in our country. Is, is everything's a legislative process, and all politics are local. Everything starts at the local level. I mean, you know, and so if you really want to have any influence on any passion that you have, whether it's clean water or whether it's uh, child abuse or whatever, mm -hmm. um, one of the 
best thing that you can do is get into government uh, at some level. And that's how most of our national leaders get to where they are, and the best ones, that's how they start. Mm -hmm. They start at the local level, and by the time that they get to the federal level, they've had a really good cross-section of what it's like rural Minnesota, what's it like in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then eventually what it's like working in the federal bureaucracy, you know. And yeah. uh, it's frustrating. Uh, politics um, is nasty business, but on the other hand, it's only as good as the people that are in it. And so if we're dissatisfied with the politics, we need to change it, and the only way we can change it is if enough good people step up. It's uh, a volunteer that you get a little bit of money to do. <laughs> uh, and so it's not quite giving, you know, it's it's not like volunteering for a nonprofit and, you know, just doing it out of the goodness of, of your heart. But it's um, it takes a lot out of you sometimes. Yeah. Po- politics is a stressful, uh, because you're always in the spotlight and you're always, 50% of the people are never going to agree with you. Yeah. Regardless of what the situation yeah. is. Uh, yeah. And you always have to consider individual and collective at the same time, and yeah. how do we keep everyone happy? And, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and how to be able to be effective and still get something done without totally alienating one group. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's... Um, and when we have hard-lined groups that mm-hmm. make you choose a side, and if you don't choose their side... Stick a mark on the ground and say, yeah. if you don't choose me, I'm going to hate you forever. You and know? we're noticing that trickle into our own community. And that's where we are now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. with the yeah. sign. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that, with the uh, sign. That everybody's so. been talking about, that's been mm-hmm. garnering this owner some attention, mm-hmm. and um, might even be influencing others to do like, from what I'm hearing hearing in the the rumor mill and mm-hmm. so two weeks ago the city council met and you had addressed this and Blanca Ferguson and everybody kind of shared their opinions and you've been re- getting complaints from people yes because big letters mm-hmm. one of the most offensive words in U.S. history mm-hmm. of all history and how hard has this been to deal with and not you know step over rights and still be there for the people and be the voice of the people what's that been like for you it's real hard uh you know there's you know there's people that call you and uh expect you to do something about this is because this is this is not right it's not right there's there's no doubt about it there's nobody arguing that this is not a behavior um you know that represents the city of olivia or the state of minnesota or, or you know pretty much most of human beings and it's hard for for people to understand that the um, city of Olivia and all of our ordinances and our rules are subject to federal rules, mm-hmm. number one. And we have a thing in this country called the Constitution. And uh, the very First Amendment says that you have the right of free speech. Yeah. And unfortunately, free speech includes... The speech you don't like. The speech you don't like. The speech, the speech you do that like. that offends... So people get uh, upset, and they are upset. They're continuing to be upset. You know, um, school buses go by there, kids walk by there. They got to look at this kind of stuff, and so they demand um, that something be done about it. In a perfect world, uh, you know, we'd go over there and we would do something about it. However, uh, because the federal government supersedes anything that we could do, if we would do something about it, we we would uh, you know open the city up to litigation. And uh, so w- we have to operate within the um, perimeters of what the laws actually mm-hmm. allow us to do. And at this point, unfortunately, from what we've been told by lawyers from um, on the on the local level and on the state level, hands are tied. Yeah, sign can stay so long as he wants it. At this point, right, uh, you know, and uh, I'm one to, I don't like the word can't or won't, but if something on this line is going to change, obviously it's not going to be at the local level. It's going to have to be at the federal level mm-hmm. is because that's where the jurisdiction lies. Mm-hmm. And so if enough of this goes on um, across the state or across the country, it may become an issue that the federal government may pick up. We've amended uh, the Constitution many times, mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, and not to say that we couldn't amend the Constitution to make it, uh, you know, um, specifically say that you're going to be, uh, you know, freedom of speech has to be uh, respectful and has to be within 
some kind of... Uh, What's interesting is there are some ordinances in some cities across the country that say, if the election's over, take your sign down. Yep. You're done. Yeah. And what's interesting yeah. is this didn't go up during election season. He didn't have a sign up during... He had signs, but not this sign. This sign right. came up, I want to say, right around January 6th. Right. Which was the, when the what, rally to save America was taking place on D.C. Yes. And so that I just noticed that from his timeline, right? I, mm-hmm. I became his friend to kind of get more information, scrolled to see this yep. history. And it's fairly recent. Mm-hmm. And so... Even if um, there was an ordinance like that that we had in within our city, it, it would I would think it would apply to it now, right? So you you can have your political signs up, but when the election's over, but that wouldn't solve the problem. No, because we're still looking at this four letter word. That yes, people and don't like. you could have the four letter word up without, you know, he could say f you yeah. spaghetti. He could say f pollution. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you yeah. know, and. It, and I, you know, uh, it's not a political issue. It's a um, decency issue. Mm-hmm. It's a profanity issue. It's a lewd issue. You know, um, you know, it, it's um, um, it's a thorny issue. It uh, is. Yeah. It, and in a perfect world, you could knock on his door and you could say, "Hey, neighbor, mm-hmm. I totally appreciate what you're doing here, but yeah, my kids." My kid and here, he would you know? say. Oh, I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah. I'll take it down. And yeah, then, right. mm-hmm. but right. we're dealing with a time in history right now where people feel like if they can do something, they ought to, yeah. and they need to stand up for it because if they don't, then they suddenly don't have that right. Yeah. And you do have the freedom of speech, and that means the federal government isn't going to arrest you for, you know, calling Trump or Biden names. Mm-hmm. But what that doesn't protect you from is, you know, popularity within your community. And it doesn't protect you from the opinions and even sometimes the wordy insults that come from Facebook for, yeah. for doing things. Right. Things. Yep. Yep. And it seems that it's gaining momentum and it's gaining attention and some people are wanting to be another model just like him and I'm going to stand up for my rights. So what would you say to people who feel like if they don't act on their rights, they're, they're losing them? I mean, how do we address this conversation? Because I think yeah. I see that... Maybe maybe you see it too, where people are like, because I have the right to do something, I must do it. What kind of conversation could we create around that where we can show people, yeah, you, you do still have the right to do it, but like, do you want to? But do you want to do it? You know, it it's all of uh, a um, your place in a um, in a community. If you feel like you are part of that that community, and it truly does take a village. I mean, um, you know. Uh, I, I think these people feel they're disenfranchised, and it is all about attention. You, you know, and maybe the best thing here is to let it go, and um, you know, eventually, hopefully, it would get old and it will go away. Mm-hmm. Is because as a governmental unit, you know, as the city, as the county, as the state, at this point, there is no legal avenue mm-hmm. in order to be able to address the problem on a legal basis. So the only choice that we really have is to try to do it on a community basis. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've tried to reach out. we meeting members of uh, the community and members of the council. You know. Directly to the owner? Oh, yeah, that yeah. know these people, you know, uh, with uh, little to no success. Uh, uh, He's not receiving any of the invitations to talk? Well, just doesn't really think that... Um, that he needs to change his behavior, okay? So at this point, you know, what we are um, going to do is sign a proclamation with, if not all the churches, most of the churches, the civic groups in town, city of Olivia, and say that this is the kind of city that we do not want, you know, uh, we don't think this this kind of behavior is um, appropriate. We do not endorse it. We just want to make sure that people understand that by doing nothing, which some people think, well, you're doing nothing about this. Mm-hmm. We're doing all we can. Yeah. <laughs> and still keeping the community safe and out of trouble. Unfortunately, that's at this point all we are going to be able to do. Do you worry at all about the city working with the churches? Does that worry you at all about any kind of deviation away from separation of church and state? Not really. Uh, it, I mean, churches. it's a proclamation that anybody can sign on to. It's the same as the sign is not a political statement. It's a profanity statement. The 
proclamation will not be a religious statement. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a statement that just about anybody, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a very religious mm -hmm. person, could all agree yeah. that this isn't the kind of, of signs and behavior that we want in our town. People drive by and, you know, I made the comparison at the meeting last week about blighted houses and uh, not mowing your lawn and all those kind of things. Well, yeah. but, but those are, are all things points. within yeah. our ability you know, uh, yeah. because they're not in the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, those are all things that we have the control over and we do, you know, yeah. so we, we do our best and we try to keep our town as clean as possible and try to keep our image to attract new people, to attract mm -hmm. folks, you know, to move into our community. And we do that uh, 110%. But this is just one of those issues that is uh, completely out of our control. And it's not so much that it's he's a Trump supporter and therefore no. bad. It's because you don't like the... There is a lot of concern and rumblings that... This is, uh, oh, because Olivia is Democrat, and they're trying to get rid of the Republicans. And I thought, no, well, I was that. I, and I don't know, again, because I don't know. But my my mindset always like, I thought it was more conservative in this area, is what I noticed, because I grew up in the cities, and well, so that's we, my yeah. And we view. vote, Renville County votes uh, uh, heavily conservative. Yeah. You know, I, I've been involved with government my entire life, and I have been probably government's biggest critic. Mm -hmm. And constructive criticism to government is good. I agree. And conversations about how we govern and who mm -hmm. we govern and what we govern is welcomed, and it should happen. Yeah. I would. I would wish, you know, somewhat, you know, that we had more people come to the city council meetings. Mm -hmm. That we had more people go to the county to, to the county commissioners meetings. More people that would just say, "Hey, let's drive down to uh, the." Um, state capitol today because they got a hearing on whatever yeah. and sit in there and participate with with what's going on is because the more we know the more we can care and the more we care the more we can change and fix yeah exactly. um you, you know so it's it's not us against them it's not democrat yeah. against republican it is if you want to put i don't like whatever on a sign and put it in your front yard as long as it's not offensive fine i mean yeah uh, but I tell everybody, if you feel so passionate and so strong about something, you need to get involved in government. It's because you're not going to change it with a yard sign. And you're not going to change it by having a rant on Facebook. That isn't going to work. The way things get changed is, is they get changed by you being involved and you being able to get enough people to buy into what you think is right or wrong or should be done. And that's how politicians get to uh, uh, the city council, the county government, state government, and federal government. You know? Yeah, they're pursuing the passions of other people, more or less, and well, yeah. we don't really even think about that. I and mean, I, I used to not. I'd be like, they're not doing anything for me, but yeah. if you see it opening up down here, like, say, for instance, what if one day Olivia does decide, maybe we should do something about yard signs, maybe we just don't want to have to deal with campaign signs after the election, uh, what have you. These are little catalysts that help kind of pursue those passions to kind of keep that integrity of communities intact that's important mm -hmm. and i mean i myself in the past have been dismissive of it and been like hmm, politics are stupid i don't care right? right it's really hard to maintain that and see that opens me up to being able to change my mind because a lot of people are like but that's all interwoven too i'm starting to see that i'm not going to agree fully mm -hmm. but it's hard to see how everything is kind of entangled with every right. everything else yeah and when something matters to a small community that can actually grow into something that matters to the whole community at a larger scale, and so people are the same yeah. all over this world. Yeah. You know, when I, you know, I was in seventeen other countries. You know, I've been all over this country. You, you know, I've had so many experiences, and people are people, yeah. regardless of where you go and yeah. who you, you know. And the thing that I've noticed in the last twenty years is that everybody's wrong. Nobody's right. Mm -mm. And if everybody's wrong, then nobody is right. And that gets you absolutely nowhere. Yeah. You know, if you can come out of any meeting, if you can come out with any negotiation with 50% of what you wanted, that's pretty darn good. It is. But nowadays, it's either I get 100% of what I want or 
And we gotta break that. Because people worry that compromise is taking away from them. Compromise is weakness. Compromise is one of the strongest Mm -hmm. characteristics. And if you don't have compromise, you can't be a politician. If you don't have compromise, you can't get married. I mean... You can't do anything. Right? Exactly. Relationships depend on compromise and changing of the mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all have to look in the mirror and say, what do I do every day to improve the situation? Mm -hmm. Whatever the situation it is that you are passionate about or whether you are concerned about. And how is my behavior influencing Mm -hmm. um, negative? And none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all have that day where we... Should have stayed in bed. Should have stayed in bed. (laughs) Could have have kept kept our mouth shut. Uh You know, uh, but... To be able to to go back to somebody that you've offended and say, "Hey, you know, you know, I'm sorry about that. That's not really the way I wanted to handle this. Yeah. And, and let's start over. And that and that's something that everybody needs to start doing. You know. And Facebook is a wonderful thing, and it's a horrible thing. Yeah. All at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would never ever vote to uh, eliminate Facebook. But I'll tell you, I've got just as many reservations about Facebook as I do. You know, um, it's a great thing. It, it really is. I mean, if you want to get any kind of a message out, boom, just yeah. like that, there it is. But on the other hand, everybody's message it gets out, and unfortunately, some of the messages that are getting out are the. Ones and that. I feel like everybody feels like every single thought they have needs to be shared now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I mean, I was right there with you know. I had the Twitter, I had the Instagram, I had the Facebook, and it was like, here's my opinion. I got another one. Here's another one. Oh, this was funny. I'm just gonna share it. You know. Yeah. And then you get to a point, especially for me, I'm like, well, sometimes it is better not to say anything at all and just listen. Yeah. And and Facebook doesn't teach you that, you know, no. because no. they're not gonna benefit if you're like. Facebook rules is we're going to reflect before we respond. We're going to think about the word. You know, that wouldn't sell their ads. That wouldn't work for their algorithm. That wouldn't make them money. Exactly. And that's the dimension that's missing from Facebook is the face-to-face, the body language, the the vocal tone, people knowing when the sarcastic tone is on and and when the, I'm really trying to sympathize with you. How many times have you been in trouble? You know, I've been in trouble several times because I'm, I, I'm kind of a sarcastic guy. Oh, I am too. Yeah. And, you know, and you just assume that somebody... Just knows that's your thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then they but miss they it. <laughs> and yeah. then they're offended. Yeah. And you're like, no. No, no, no. Wait, no, sarcastic emoji. Where's the sarcastic emoji? Right? Cause I didn't like... mean that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and so there's a learning curve with Facebook. Mm-hmm. We all should be very, very aware of, you know, and, you know, and um, it's just one of those new things that we're learning to do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not that old. And it's like why we're learning to do this. We're forgetting like the first way that we did Facebook, which was talking to people. Talking to each other. Having a conversation. And you and I would never say things to each other. Um, that we give ourselves privileges to say on Facebook, right? Right. Like I think about that all the time. I yeah. can be so snappy with someone on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Even my closest friend, even my kids, right? Mm-hmm. I can say something snap, but if they're in my face, I would never no. speak to them that no. way. It, you know, and we forget that's not forget how you treat people. Right yeah. Yeah. And you then know, we forget we can knock on our neighbor's door and go, dude. Yeah. You know, just like we can when your music's really loud, can you just do yeah. you mind? It's eleven o'clock and yeah. people are like, Oh, sure, my bad. I'm sorry. But I think that I'm sorry word is so offensive now. I mean, I remember I was I, w- I wrote about this, I think it was last year, when I had recognized, oh, I came off of some social justice woke warrior thing. And I had insulted a lot of people and just lambasted them with labels of racist and sexist. And I was like, hi, I am so sorry that I did that. That was, I don't know what was going on and you didn't deserve that. And people are like, it's too late for sorry. Well, that's kind of scary. So yeah, it's too scary. late for forgiveness. Well, and that's kind of where we are nowadays. Yeah. You know, is yeah. that once people stick that stake in the ground or put that line on the sand, that's it. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's unfortunate because there's no politician, there's no policy or issue that you should lose friendships or you should I lose agree. family members over. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It you know? is. And then there are some people that you just simply aren't going to change. You know, and you have to be able to get over it. Yeah, they're just not ready to hear you yet. And yep. so you just say and those think, words for someone else. And I think that's else. where we're at. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, and sometimes the best thing to do is is nothing. You know, uh, two weeks ago, I felt like we we just simply can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. It's because doing nothing was giving the impression that we weren't doing that we were doing nothing. Yeah. But you got to understand why we're not doing nothing. Yeah. And so that's our point at this point is to let people know that if there was something that we could do, we would. And we're doing all we can. It's up to us as a community, as a whole, to fix it. And how we go about that, we're open to suggestions. I mean, <laughs> how do we improve not only Olivia, but how do we improve uh, Renville County? How do we improve the state of Minnesota? And how do we improve the United States of America? It's yeah. because... We're in a little bit of trouble here. Uh, we really are. We're com- yes. so divided. I know. I, my only answer to this, and this is all I ever go back to, is, and I often call it the erotic solution. It's conversation. Yes, conversation. Connect with someone and talking to people. on an intimate level. Get to know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Give them space. Listen yep. to them. Because ultimately, what the owner of the flag demonstrates, and I think we all demonstrate this every time we go on Facebook, we all want attention. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's a human condition. We need attention. Everybody likes attention. And so we want attention. Yeah. And so sometimes we don't know how to ask yeah. for it. And if you want attention, get into politics. Yeah. Or just tell and someone I want attention. I think that's the easy, right? Because, I mean, I get like that with my husband. I haven't seen him. He's been farming. I, yeah. I want attention. And instead of saying, I miss you, I want attention, we start little fights with each other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going on here. And what I know from... Just the little bit that he shared with me is he's not from around here. Mm-hmm. So he already feels like an outsider. And I'm like, I can relate to that. I'm not from here either. Yeah, but we can tell people, mm-hmm. I feel excluded. Mm-hmm. Will you please include me? Mm-hmm. And someone will hear you. And someone will say, I don't want you to feel that way. Well, here we all are. Here we all and are. And all we know? have to do is ask for attention, ask for connection. Yeah, well, and, and uh, so we're not from here either, but we are now. Uh, you know, but people still 43 years later say, well, you're not from here. Uh, it's not that we um, can't forge friendships everywhere and anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's getting harder mm-hmm. and harder and harder just simply because the general mood of the country yeah. has shifted. And that is attributed to leaders. And when and when you have leaders, um, whether it's uh, local, state, uh, or federal. But when you have leaders in your in your community, you have leaders in your state government, you have leaders in your federal government that start to behave that way. It just reinforces that bad behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's where we have been for quite some time. And we need to, we need to change that. You know, I heard an interesting um, kind of undertaking of what Trump was to the 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 left establishment it was that trump was the first republican willing to go as low as the liberals used to go and he didn't mean it in that condescending but i think it was jordan peterson i heard say this but i thought it was interesting republicans always maintained that we are civilized we do not we do not do these little things that the democrats do and trump was like well i'll go as low as them and i think people were like yeah and then people went, I'm, I'm tired of that, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what the response was with the election. He thought he was going to win because he had such a great win the last time. But what he didn't consider was people were tired of his antics and his Twitter. And what was, he was a catalyst to a lot of the causes. I mean, I'll give you that in that this inciting of this, I'm right, damn it, and I'm going to stand up and prove it, even if that means I have to storm the Capitol, which is, I mean, you know, freedom to organize and air your grievances. But it was like he gave he gave definition to this, almost like a, a meme of, of humanity that was supposed to die out. And he kind of brought it back to life and put it in the mainstream. And I think what we're seeing is people are trying to correct that now. They were like, we tried it. It was fun. Let's be done. But people don't want to let their loser go, right? In politics, there's a winner and a loser. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. You yep. lost, grieve it, move on. But you get four years, you know, every four years you get a chance to be able to change. And that's what we need to make sure that we um, preserve in this country is that every four years we get that opportunity. And, you know, I, I don't like to dump all, uh, you know, a lot of stuff on Trump. You know, just simply because of the fact that this has been going on for, for, for 
a long time. Yeah, really, media and just technology yeah. has also helped it, kind of and it's, blow this you know, up. This twenty-four hour news cycle and this, you know, this this Facebook stuff and you know the barrage of constant information and constant stimulus. People mm. are politically exhausted. Yeah. Uh, you know, the anxiety level in this country is, is boom, off the, you know, uh, we take enough uh, lorazepam and, and uh, whatever, uh, you know, to choke a horse, uh, you know, yeah. just simply because we all really do need to calm down and chill out. You, you know, but we also have to take another serious look at how we govern and who we, and who we allow to govern us. Mm -hmm. And politics is important. You know, when people go, ah, I don't care about politics, and you know, you know, they're all a bunch of crooks. You know, uh, well, if that's the case, then boy, we should really. Do change. we want the crooks in control well, then? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And voting matters. Politics matters. Uh, you know, and uh, what we say and what we do as people in our community matters. I'm hoping that where we are today and where we were a couple of weeks ago makes people stop and, and think. And um, I'm hoping that we're on this slow slog back and, um, you know, there's good people everywhere. There's, you know, there's good people in the Republican Party. There's yeah. good people in the Democratic Party. There's good people in the Independent Party. And we just got to have enough of those good people in our local government, in our state government, in our federal government, to keep the wing nuts <laughs> at bay. It's because we are always going to have them, too. Yeah. yeah but, We're always uh, going to have those pockets that rise up, that try and outdo what radical looks like. On both sides. And it yep. has to, and I think maybe that's what people are calling for, is both on the left and the right. I think maybe they're calling for them to be like, can we take care of these radical pockets, right? But... For me, I think let's have a little bit more optimism in humanity and the GOP and the Democratic Party that they won't let these radical ideas take over. Most of us corrupt. are middle-of-the-road people. Right. And, and we don't want this kind of craziness. We, we all really, at the end of the day, just want to be able to do what we want to do without someone else exactly. imposing on us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, I really, you know, and I really do hope that we can lower the temperature. Uh, I have seriously thought about just getting off of Facebook, just not going there. But then I think, well, you know. But you're addicted just like me, right? Because I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to get it, off. Yep. Then I'm like, oh, but I have to post my podcast. Oh, I have to post my blog. And then I'm like, yep. oh, just one little thing. <laughs> but, then, but then you miss all the good things. You do miss all the good interactions and, and the good connections. At 67 years old, I don't like backing off of technology yeah. you know it's it's the Could world be to your detriment if you don't keep up with it absolutely yeah, so yeah. We have to and keep so going. you know it's it, it's like the way our folks dealt with uh rock music and uh marijuana and uh uh the simpsons uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, you know, television was going to warp all of our minds. Yeah. And, and now yeah. they're like, TV, you're right here all day. It won't warp your mind. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know, so every generation has their Facebook, I guess. Uh, and we're just learning how to, to uh, deal with ours, you know. But, you know, back to the, you know, to the whole sign thing is that I'm ready to put it behind me and ready to put it to bed. If something happens that we can do something more, we will. Uh, but at this point, we're doing all we can. And now it's up to the a community to um, do what we can do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that means we can reach out to them, try yep. and have a discussion with them. Yep. And that's that's my goal. I'm I'm hoping to meet with them, too, and sit down with them. Yeah. And I really, I just want to say, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. And what's your end game? Mm-hmm. And... I, I'm 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 hopeful that just what I what I notice whenever I interact with people, whenever I advise clients, is that oftentimes people just want to be heard, mm -hmm. and after they're heard, mm -hmm. yeah. they feel so much like reconciliation with whatever they were conflicted about mm -hmm. that they're mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. I might not even need to do this. So mm -hmm. hopefully that can just kind of be imitated throughout the 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 community, and we can all just be like, look, I'm willing to listen to you. Yeah. And you want to you want to talk to me about it? Yeah. How about do that instead yeah. of letting yeah. the sign talk? And the sign's just letting us misinterpret it, probably. Well, everybody's got their own interpretation, right? And because words are very powerful. We put our own meanings yeah. around those words. So tell us, tell us what tell you us, really want to say. Say tell what us you mean. Why. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and and uh, whatever it is, whatever we can fix about that, we will. 
Yeah, and you know, and that's a community coming together to help each other, and we certainly need to do that. I mean, yeah. because uh, I just heard today that depression because of COVID mm-hmm. is off the charts. I yeah. mean, high school kids are struggling because they're well, separated from people. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we all need to recognize that acting out in lots of ways is a cry for help. So, uh, if there are issues that we can deal with, yeah. let's let's go at it that way. Yeah. Um, instead of getting all mad and bent out of shape and, and uh, you know, uh, doing something that uh, we would all regret in the long run anyway, that wouldn't do you any good. That's, that's good advice. Thank you very much for this, Tom. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your, your opinion on this. Yeah.